Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes a weekly arts roundup, gathering up what's happening locally in theater, dance, the visual arts, the literary arts, and more. It's curated by Fonda Mithrush, a veteran of Edmonton's art scene and co-host of I Don't Get It, fellow member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Subscribe to the arts roundup for free at taprootedmonton.ca. A lot of long chapters. Like, yeah, lots of lots of real crunchy story parts to get through. Yeah, and so while we do have another story laden chapter, it's actually a bit of a relief that it's a little bit of a shorter chapter. Yeah, it's our last bit of part four because next next chapter we start up part five. Indeed, uh, which also looks to be a bit shorter. We're we're actually starting to run up on the end of the book here. Yeah, we are. Uh, let me look. We're coming up on the last like quarter inch of this book yeah so making some progress <laughs> yeah if you measure from the top down probably have another map to look at oh guaranteed yeah it'll be good times but uh before we get into that next part should do a little bit of a recap of our previous chapter and then get into this chapter uh back in chapter 20 of our novel more plot happened oh so much happened last chapter my goodness uh the party got back together in congor Caught up with Lassus Solo, the king's sister, and also with Leopard. Bunch of exposition. Bunch of exposition happened. We discovered that Nika had been fully Renfielded by Impendulu. It's true. And then we went and killed that guy. Yep. Uh, Tracker had a whole bunch of mommy issues. Yep. Yep. And after fighting some vampires and rescuing a boy, the party runs right into the hands of AC as we get into chapter 21 of Black Leopard Red Wolf by Marlon James. Now, AC actually starts off admitting he's kind of impressed that the party's managed to survive this long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he legit expected the Moana witches were going to finish them off. He's like, yeah, you don't lightly cross those guys. And you guys handled them pretty adequately, actually. Yeah. And here you are, way on the other side of that. While he's chatting with them, they can hear the birds accumulating. accumulating. <laughs> they yes. can also hear marching feet approaching the safe house. And Tracker notes, there's no soldiers in Congo right now. Nope. Like, we made note of that fact. Yep. So, I mean, we we know it's mind-controlled townsfolk. AC's flexing his muscles here. Yes. But he is not necessarily spoiling for a fight. For most of this chapter, he legitimately tries to negotiate his way out of this situation. Yeah. And he gives the party numerous chances to walk away from this. He does. We know they're not going to, but, like, points to him for trying. Yeah. Now, Tracker notes right away, Bunchy can't seem to change back to water in AC's grip. No. Much like she couldn't in Sudogos many chapters ago. Right. So he's curious what that's about. Don't know. We probably will never find out now. Probably not. Tracker does what we expected. He's like, dude, you took the wrong hostage. <laughs> I, I made it through that line and I was like, oh, called it. 
AC just kind of shrugs at this, though, and he's like, eh, whatever. Look, I have two hostages here. I'm holding a knife to one of them. Yeah. He uh, is like, I, I get that maybe you don't care about her, but she certainly cares about her life. So, hey, uh, Popele, he calls her, which is one of her aliases, which we knew from before. Yes. Why don't you go ahead and beg for your life? Notably, she does not, throughout this entire chapter, say a word. And part of me was like, yeah, good for her. Way to stand up to the guy. Oh, maybe. It doesn't really help her. AC does also keep calling them a group of brave men and women and one fool. He never explicitly states who that fool is. No, I noticed that too. Like he's not gonna, he's not gonna designate anybody. He's just gonna let everyone else assume. I think we can guess who he's referring to as the fool. Yes, and it's not Tracker. No, and that makes me sad. Yeah, he actually has quite a lot of esteem for Tracker in this moment. He compliments him. It's like, you know, there was a time when I could have used a good guy with a nose who's also really good at killing folk. And Tracker is a little offended by this and is <laughs> like, I'm not a killer. And AC's like, I've got a whole trail of bodies behind you that would <laughs> beg to differ. Yes. To be fair, Tracker's not like a mercenary. He's a tracker. He finds people. Sometimes people die. Yeah. He doesn't explicitly go out to kill people. Just saying. No, but he's just exceptionally good at doing it when it needs done. Yes. Yeah. It's just that lately it's needed done a bunch. Tracker brings up uh, the nickname of the king here, calling AC the other four limbs of the Spider King. And AC's kind of amused by this. He's like, uh, yeah, I know that people call King Quash that behind his back. And it's really weird because he's not my creature. He's his own business. And Mossy is like, I've never heard of a king who makes his own decisions. <laughs> Mossy comes from a land where kings are puppets, apparently. Yes. And AC kind of calls him out on this and is like, yeah, you come from a backward land that only believes in one god. So. <laughs> so who looks silly now? Yeah. So so which of us is the idiot? <laughs> Lassus Solo kind of speaks up here, trying to fight her way out from whatever force is holding her down. We'll later learn that it's actually an invisible monster that's holding her down. Right? That was cool. She's also trying to get her hands on like a, a charm, a protective charm mm -hmm. that's been knocked out of her reach. And uh, she tries to buy some time here and tells AC to reveal his prophecy to the group and straight up calls him a necromancer, which, I mean, we kind of already knew about. I don't even think he's offended by that. She also says, you know, you're not in this for anybody but yourself. The only reason you're backing the king is because it it is to your benefit to back the king right now. He is amused by this and is like, look, I'm just doing what's best for King Quash. And Tracker counters, well, you shouldn't want to do what's best for King Quash. You should want to do what's best for the kingdom. And AC actually gets a little defensive here. And he's like, listen, guy, you're one to talk. You don't care about this boy. You're only in this because you've been promised money over it. This boy means nothing to you otherwise. And some of you have died for this. And some of you have been badly and grievously injured for this. You guys can walk right now because this is a family issue and you aren't needed to be here. And Lassa Solo gets offended by this. <laughs> and he's like, oh, when when did you become part of my family, AC? There's a lot of, like, hurling of insults. Oh, yeah. Like, this is... it. Everybody's being real catty in this scene. Right? They're trying to make it out almost like a battle of wits, except it's not. It's, it's not really a battle of wits. No, it's just hurling insults. Kind of. The group realizes that they're in a bit of a bind, and they're not certain they can take the guy. He's got a hostage, too, technically. And Lassa Solo, for her part, is trying to both buy some time so that he doesn't do something rash and also try to get him off balance. 
Because mm-hmm. if if he makes a mistake, the group can dive in on him, basically. But AC is just too cool for it. The only thing that kind of gives him pause here is when she calls him God Butcher. I wondered about that. What's so insulting about that? She actually straight up says he specifically is responsible for the gods having grown silent in the kingdom. And implies it's because he's been going around murdering them. And there's an implication here that he kind of finds that to be a bit of an offensive accusation. Right? Leveled at him. Yeah, like that one got to him. Yeah. AC at this juncture is just like, you know what? Just go. Just drop the child. You don't even need to set him down nice. Just drop him at your feet. Walk out. Lassa Solo is like, don't do it. That's your king. And then the force kind of knocks her around a bit and like plunks her down on a chair. Leopard actually leaps to her defense for a moment and gets knocked away, which is why I think that uh, he's aware that there's a creature there mm-hmm. the second time he goes into attack. Felt it. Um, and AC is like, this boy is no king. You got the wrong advice from an oracle. You listen to the wrong people. He, it seems like he's maybe referring to Sogolon here a little bit. Probably. That's that's the impression I got. And and you've pinned all your hopes on the wrong horse. Like, I don't even know how Bunshi here got involved in this. This is nonsense, and none of you should be tangled up in it. And yet, here is the AC trying to take the boy away. Well, he's he wants to take the boy away to kill the boy. I know, but he's trying to tell them that this boy is nothing. Well, he clearly wants him because, obviously, the boy is well, something. remember earlier in the novel... It was implied that both King Quash and AC are hesitant to raise a hand against Lassa Solo directly because there's a little bit of divinity in the yes, line of kings. Absolutely. That means there's a little bit of that divinity in the boy as well. Mm-hmm. And so that might be why AC is not just like hurling murder bolts at him right now. Yep. It might not be so simple is no. what I'm saying. <laughs> Which is fair. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say it were? Well, you should say it like I said. Lassa Solo is like, the boy will be the king. And AC is like, the North already has a king. And this boy, like, look at him. Which you've never done before, by the way. He is damaged goods. He is not fit to be king. He then kind of turns back on Tracker and Mossy in particular and is like, listen, you guys have been deceived right from jump by this lady and by this water spirit. You owe them no loyalty. And if you really cared about this situation right now, you'd have already attacked me. You wouldn't let me continue to prattle on like this (laughs) for as long as I have. If you walk away right now, I will pay you whatever they promised you and more. And there will be no hard feelings. Like we are, we're good. Next time I see you, First round is on me. Like, that is how good we will be. And yet. He even goes so far as to note, you know, Tracker, like, I've been keeping my eye on you, obviously. I know you aren't exactly a believer in the gods. You regularly curse them out. You don't offer them any feel to your warship. You and I are kind of the same in that way. This is no longer an age of gods. This is an age of kings. And that's why I'm backing this guy. Tracker, <laughs> Tracker snarks, well... If we're so much alike, I'll have to tell my mother that she has another son she didn't know about. She'll be thrilled. And AC actually counters with a real nasty dig at his mom. And for all of Tracker's mommy issues, that gets under his skin. Absolutely. (laughs) And I was like, oh, AC, you were doing so well. Why? Actually, he was doing doing fairly well, but he couldn't resist slipping that. We had to slipping that one in, and that's the one that actually, like, you don't insult a dude's mom. Had to push that button, especially when the dude has mommy issues. Yeah. AC reveals here a little interesting tidbit of information, too. He he says, you know, I had intended to spy on your little group through Tracker's dreams, but 
Tracker was getting some advice not to sleep. Probably the only good advice Sogolon gave you on this whole trip. Probably. And Tracker's like, yeah, I avoided sleep, and that must have thwarted you. And AC's like, nah, you weren't the only one in the party, and there was someone else who's a good sleeper. Yeah. This this hurt my feelings. Yeah. This made me sad. He has been spying through Sadogo this whole time. Which breaks my heart. And apparently at times controlling him. That's the part that breaks my heart. Yeah, he reveals the southern griot at the border did not commit suicide. No, he was controlling Sadogo and, and had Sadogo throw him out the window. I just, oh. This is devastating to Sadogo. This is, like, this breaks Sadogo. This was the last straw. Another it, innocent death at his hands, and it was one death too many. I just felt so bad. Tracker and Leopard try to play this cool. And Mossy, to his credit, is just like, Sadogo, don't listen to him. He's a manipulator. He's trying to get under your skin too late but ac continues to goad him and it's because he's trying to provoke sadogo so that he can use a violent outburst as cover yeah to try to sow some chaos and get his hands on the boy and the problem is it works sadogo goes into a rage yeah and then just the darkness the shadows from the corner of the room swarm him this is the moment when like just chaos erupts yes Everything comes to a head, like the, the tension breaks in the room. Leopard attacks the nothing, holding Lassa Solo, drawing blood from it. Yeah, so there's clearly something there. AC slashes Bunshi's throat. Mossy rushes him, and Tracker throws an axe, so he blows them away with some wind. Nasaka rushes out the door with the boy. AC goes to follow, but then is stopped when he has to catch an arrow from Fumeli. Yeah, and, and then, then he catches one? another one from Fumeli, and then is run out of hands and takes two in the face. Yeah. And Fumeli takes down AC. Yeah, I was surprisingly proud of a character I don't like. Yeah. Is AC dead? I don't know. I don't know either, because his magic falters as he goes down. The, whatever creature was binding Lassa Solo seems to be gone. Yeah, but his magic isn't gone. Yeah, the birds start, like, freaking out. Like, they're no longer under direct control. The mob kind of hesitates from continuing to advance. But they're all still there. As we will learn through later in the chapter, the birds are clearly still being directed. Yeah. But just sloppily. So maybe some of his consciousness still exists well, where he's taking and we control know, of people. And we know the AEC is a necromancer. a necromancer. I don't think it's quite so easy to kill a necromancer. Yeah, what's one body to uh, someone who uses dark magic to right? live forever? So I don't know if he's dead. He might be. He's certainly the, taken at out. At the very least, they've slowed him down quite a bit. Yeah. Because two arrows in the head will do that to you. It'll at least break your concentration for a minute, yeah. Leopard grabs Lassa Solo. Tracker rushes to help Sadogo, who's still fighting the shadow creatures. Um, Tracker notes they're not Omaluzu. No, well, he keeps calling them shadow... Creatures. Yeah, shadow Shadowlings creatures. or something, Something yeah. like that. They continue to swarm him. He stomps and stomps to try to get them off, but ultimately collapses through... The floor and then through the next floor and all the way down because he's an ogo he's very big and very heavy and yeah yeah it appears certainly to tracker that sadogo falls to his death <sighs> fighting these creatures that one hurt it is it was definitely a final cruelty from ac that one losing sadogo hurt i had come to really appreciate that character uh, you and some of the characters in this story too mossy comes and grabs tracker and they flee. They notice that the people of the town are standing nearby looking kind of dazed. The birds are kind of flying apart and back together. Leopard, Fumeli, Lasasolo, Nasaka, and the boy are all on horses. Buffalo is assumed to be there because he's mentioned a little later on. He keeps kind of appearing and disappearing in the text at the moment. Right. Like, he obviously couldn't follow them 
into the building because no. they didn't mention him there at all. And he clearly travels with them because he gets mentioned. Yeah. And then at the end, we don't know where Buffalo goes. Tracker's concerned, like, are these people still possessed? And Leopard's like, well, AC appears to be dead, so I don't know if they're still possessed. But we also did steal these horses, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so he might be staring at that. Either way, we have to go now. Yeah, and they bolt. The crowd does give chase throwing rocks for a while until they lose the crowd. But the birds harry them right into the night. Oh, yeah. Like dive bombing them from time to time. And oh, yeah, like something straight out of Alfred Hitchcock, right? Just yeah. birds and... Which also implies then that AC was the force that took the Southern Griot's body after his death at the border. Yes. Because it was a swarm of birds that came and took him. They ride hard into the evening all the way to the Mueru, where they enter into a mysterious mist that the birds do not follow them into. Tracker actually can't place the smell of the mist. It's very strange area. Yeah, something he's clearly never smelled before. Yeah, and Lassa Solo says, whatever else Sogolon may have said, she was definitely right when she said the boy would be safe from outside magic in the Mueru. And if the Mueru is covered with this weird mist that even AC dare not follow them into, mm -hmm. then maybe that's correct. Well, I don't know about dare not, perhaps cannot. Well, and they also mentioned that the Mueru's never been properly mapped, probably because it's Full of this strange mist. Yep. One would assume. Lassa Solo separates from the group here and rides down into the Mueru with the boy. And that is the last we see of her in this chapter. Uh, Nasaka at this juncture also kind of gives a nod to them and heads off back to Congor. And they understand why. Yeah. You and I were chatting about this a little earlier. I think even if the party in general knew it was unwise to go back to Congor, I don't think they would have been able to convince her. No. So I'm pretty sure they weren't even going to try. No. And I mean, they do know it's unwise to go back into Congor, oh, but yeah. they're not going to try to stop her. Mm. I mean, it feels to me that at this juncture, they've all been through enough that there's just kind of a quiet understanding here. Mm -hmm. And there's no, like, legitimately no hard feelings at this moment between Nasaka and Tracker in particular. Doesn't seem like it, no. No. But they know she's going to go back and check on Nika. And they have no idea what she's going to be returning to. But Leopard is fairly confident it's not going to be what she wants. Probably not. Because Also, they don't want to be part of it. No. So the rest of the crew kind of take stock of the situation. And Leopard's like, look, we know at this juncture that the boy is safe. We're done. Our part in this is done. But we also know that King Quash is on the warpath and that the Mingi children are in danger. We should go back to the Gingatop. Tracker's like... That's a heck of a journey. <laughs> the problem is, you see, we're on the other side of the world yeah, from and there. It's, and it's a dangerous journey Yeah, they're to really far away. So Leopard's like, okay, well, what if we used one of the 19 magic doors? And Tracker's like, okay, well, based on the map that we saw of the doors, we could head back towards Dolingo and take the door at Nagiki and to the Mos Hills of Enchantment. Mosley's like, are you crazy? <laughs> but this is this is the, the solution. Yep. They then ride from the Hills of Enchantment to the Gingatom. It would be about nine days, much shorter, but unfortunately, no less dangerous. No, like all routes are dangerous routes. Yeah, but he figures, you know, if we move quiet, if we're careful and we actually use some stealth and we try not to make a big stink <laughs> like we usually do, maybe, maybe we could pull it off. And Leopard's like, that sounds good to me. And him and Fumeli kind of ride off ahead. Tracker takes a moment here and kind of confides with Mossy that, you know, I feel really bad about Sadogo. I loved that guy. Like, yeah. legitimately. They were and, friends. And I, it was, it's super hard to lose him at this juncture. And he just bursts into tears. So unexpectedly, he himself is surprised to, to realize that he's, <laughs> that he's just 
sobbing. Yeah, that he is upset at having lost his friend. Yeah, and Mossy comforts him here. He's like, hey, it's okay, guy. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> feel your grief. It's okay. Tracker also admits, you know, I don't know if the Mingy children are even going to want to see me again. And Mossy's like, maybe that's the case, but right now, whether they know it or not, they need you. It's true. And... With that, they hop back on the horse and ride off after Leopard. And Buffalo uh, yeah, has disappeared from the narrative at we, this juncture. Yeah, we don't know. There was no mention of Buffalo, where he's going, who he's with. Yeah, he might have gone into the Moeru with Lassa Solo and the boy, or he might still be with the crew. Hard to tell. Don't know. Buffalo kind of comes and goes. No one really controls him. No, not really. I don't know. Yeah. The mystery of this Buffalo. It's true. So, but that is the end of yeah. the chapter. And the end of part four. So, couple things. Do you think are we done with this boy now? Well, I mean, like, is this is this section of the narrative over? Objectively, no, because we know that Tracker is responsible for hunting down the boy a second time, likely in book two, because I don't think there's enough of this book left for him to track down the boy a second time today. <laughs> but uh, Fair enough. but definitely the boy comes back up. The boy mm. is central to the plot. Well, just this whole thing. This whole book, right, is centered around the epic journey to find this boy. And it seems like an anticlimactic ending to just give him to his mom and his mom disappears into the mist. That's that's it? That's that's all we get? That's where it stops? For now. For now. The story's not over. No. Because Tracker and Leopard and the rest of the crew, well, Mossy and Fumeli, <laughs> are, uh, are heading off to try to save the Gingaton tribe and the Mingi children. And the Mingi children. Yeah. It just seems like a hard left turn suddenly to me to suddenly switch. Well, and if AC is still alive, he might seek reprisal. That's true. By That's targeting the true. Minky children. So, Okay. What is up with this boy and his smell? That's a good question. We don't really have an answer for that yet. Right, because but... Tracker brings it up again and makes serious note of it, that he cannot smell this kid. Or rather... Or he can and then it disappears. Yeah. Like, it's... it's behaving unusually his scent does behave unusually like sometimes he's there and sometimes he's not mm -hmm. uh and based on that one line there was one line about it do you think the boy is a vampire i don't know because there was the one line i'm talking about was that tracker caught him with his mouth open leaning in toward nasaka because she was holding him right and he was like ah and then tracker looked at him and he was like oh and he closed up his mouth. And I'm like, was he going to bite her? What was that? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I don't know that he is actually a vampire, but he has been living with vampires for a long time. Right? So, so I don't, I don't he might have he might have picked up some habits. Also, how old is this kid? Six. Okay. We thought he was three. No, he was three when he was taken and he's been on the run for three years. We kept referring to him as three, but he is explicitly mentioned to be six in this chapter. Okay. Then I was doing it wrong. I thought they. I thought he was taken when he was just a baby. Well, like I mean, three is three is still pretty young. And then he'd been gone for three years, so he was like three or four. But then Daisy's talking about him like he's six, and I was like, "Whoa, hold on! I thought we were looking for a small child." No, he's uh, he's explicitly called six here. And yeah. again, I think we were muddling the fact that he was three at the time of his abduction with the fact that he is three, but he is in fact about six years old. Okay, so that's that's it... clarified. I think we were a little. Mixed up. Yeah, I had it wrong in my head. That's yeah. my bad then. Still pretty young. Mm -hmm. Still a small innocent child who should not have to go through all of this. And yet has. And yet. Yeah. And we'll have more to go through ahead, I'm sure. I, I would like 
uh, horrible things to stop happening to children. Well, certainly that's something that I Tracker know. and Leopard are hoping they'll be able to. <laughs> We're about to try and go rescue some Mingy children. Forestall, yeah. So fingers crossed. So you'll want to dive into part five of our novel and chapter 22 in time for next week. In the meantime... There are many supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network, and one of the supporters who's been there practically from jump has been the Edmonton Community Foundation. And wouldn't you know it, they have their own podcast, and here is a little advertisement for them. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of the Well Endowed Podcast. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. The Well Endowed Podcast. Hooray! Good, good stuff. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about them. We've talked about the Well Endowed podcast before. Yeah, you know, it is a bit Edmonton centric. If you're one of our listeners from abroad and you're a little less interested in our specific locality, uh, the good news is there are podcasts at the Alberta Podcast Network covering all sorts of different topics from. Yeah, and they don't care where you live. Yeah, from sports to barbecue to Bollywood. There's going to be something there that'll pique your interest. You can check them all out right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Once you've found a podcast that you are interested in, you can download it on your podcatcher of choice. While you're there, it would help us to give us a little rating and a review. We appreciate feedback. That's right. If you'd like to give us some more direct feedback, you can on social media. Yes. Uh, We have the collection you've heard me prattle off many times before. Unless, for some reason, this is the first episode you're listening to. This is a weird place to pick up. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the Read Along on most of those. Yeah, and uh, you can also reach out to us via email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. On to part five! Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>